This is Chapter Three of the American Claimant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The American Claimant by Mark Twain. Chapter Three. Mrs. Sellers returned now with her composure restored, and began to ask after Hawkins's wife and about his children and the number of them and so on. And her examination of the witness resulted in a circumstantial history of the family's ups and downs and driftings to and fro in the far west during the previous fifteen years. There was a message now from out back, and Colonel Sellers went out there in answer to it. Hawkins took this opportunity to ask how the world had been using the Colonel during the past half generation. Oh, it's been using him just the same. It couldn't change its way of using him if it wanted to, for he wouldn't let it. I can easily believe that, Mrs. Sellers. Yes, you see, he doesn't change himself. Not the least little bit in the world. He's always Mulberry Sellers. I can see that plain enough. Just the same old scheming, generous, good-hearted, moonshiny, hopeful, no-account failure he always was. And still everybody likes him just as well as if he was the shiningest success. They always did, and it was natural, because he was so obliging and accommodating, and had something about him that made it kind of easy to ask help of him, or favors. You didn't feel shy, you know, or have that wish you didn't have to try feeling that you have with other people. It's just so yet, and a body wonders at it, too because he's been shamefully treated many times by people that had used him for a ladder to climb up by, and then kicked him down when they didn't need him any more. For a time you can see he's hurt, his pride's wounded, because he shrinks away from that thing and don't want to talk about it. And so I used to think, now he's learned something and he'll be more careful hereafter. But laws, in a couple of weeks he's forgotten all about it, and any selfish tramp out of nobody knows where can come and put up a poor mouth and walk right into his heart with his boots on. It must try your patience pretty sharply sometimes. Oh, no, I'm used to it, and I'd rather have him so than the other way. When I call him a failure, I mean to the world he's a failure, he isn't to me. I don't know as I want him different, much different anyway. I have to scold him some, snarl at him, you might even call it. But I reckon I'd do that just the same if he was different. It's my make. But I'm a good deal less snarly and more contented when he's a failure than I am when he isn't. Then he isn't always a failure, said Hawkins, brightening. Him? Oh, bless you, no. He makes a strike, as he calls it, from time to time. Then's my time to fret and fuss, for the money just flies. First come, first served. Straight off. He loads up the house with cripples and idiots and stray cats and all the different kinds of poor wrecks that other people don't want, and he does. And then when the poverty comes again, I've got to clear the most of them out, or we'd starve. And that distresses him, and me the same, of course. Here's old Dan'l and old Jinny that the sheriff sold south one of the times that we got bankrupted before the war. They came wandering back after the peace, worn out and used up on the cotton plantations, helpless, and not another lick of work left in their old hides for the rest of this earthly pilgrimage, and we so pinched, oh, so pinched, for the very crumbs to keep life in us, and he just flung the door wide, and the way he received them, you'd have thought they'd have come straight down from heaven in answer to prayer. 
I took him one side and said, Mulberry, we can't have them. We've nothing for ourselves. We can't feed them. He looked at me kind of hurt and said, Turn them out, and they've come to me just as confident and trusting as—as—why, Polly, I, I must have bought that confidence some time or other a long time ago and given my note, so to speak. You don't get such things as a gift. And how am I going to go back on a debt like that? And you see, they're so poor and old and friendless and— But I was ashamed by that time and shut him off, and somehow felt a new courage in me, and so I said softly, We'll keep them. The Lord will provide. He was glad, and started to blurt out one of those overconfident speeches of his, but checked himself in time, and said humbly, I will, anyway. It was years and years and years ago. Well, you see, those old wrecks are here yet. But don't they do your housework? Laws, the idea! They would if they could, poor old things, and perhaps they think they do do some of it. But it's a superstition. Dan'l waits on the front door, and sometimes goes on an errand, and sometimes you'll see one or both of them letting on to dust around in here, but that's because there's something they want to hear about and mix their gabble into. And they're always around at meals for the same reason. But the fact is, we have to keep a young negro girl just to take care of them, and a negro woman to do the housework and help take care of them. Well, they ought to be tolerably happy, I should think. It's no name for it. They quarrel together pretty much all the time, most always about religion, because Dan'l's a dunkard Baptist and Jinny's a shouting Methodist, and Jinny believes in special providences and Dan'l don't, because he thinks he's a kind of free thinker, and they play and sing plantation hymns together, and talk and chatter just eternally and forever, and are sincerely fond of each other, and think the world of Mulberry, and he puts up patiently with all their spoiled ways and foolishness, and so, well, they're happy enough if it comes to that, and I don't mind. I've got used to it. I can get used to anything with Mulberry to help, and the fact is, I don't much care what happens, so long as he's spared to me. Well, here's to him, and hoping he'll make another strike soon. And rake in the lame, the halt, and the blind, and turn the house into a hospital again? It's what he would do. I've seen plenty of that and more. No, Washington, I want his strikes to be mighty moderate ones the rest of the way down the vale. Well, then, big strike or little strike, or no strike at all, here's hoping he'll never lack for friends. And I don't reckon he ever will, while there's people around who know enough to— Him lack for friends? And she tilted her head up with a frank pride. Why, Washington, you can't name a man that's anybody that isn't fond of him. I'll tell you privately that I've had Satan's own time to keep them from appointing him to some office or other. They knew he'd no business with an office, just as well as I did. But he's the hardest man to refuse anything to a body you ever saw. Mulberry Sellers with an office. Laws, goodness, you know what that would be like. Why, they'd come from the ends of the earth to see a circus like that. I'd just as leaves be married to Niagara Falls and done with it. After a reflective pause she added, having wandered back in the interval to the remark that had been her text, Friends, oh, indeed, no man ever had more, and such friends, Grant, Sherman, Sheridan, Johnston, Longstreet, Lee, 
Many's the time they've sat in that chair you're sitting in. Hawkins was out of it instantly, and contemplating it with a reverential surprise, and with the awed sense of having trodden shod upon holy ground. They, he said, oh, indeed, yes, a many and a many a time. He continued to gaze at the chair, fascinated, magnetized and for once in his life that continental stretch of dry prairie which stood for his imagination was afire and across it was marching a slanting flame-front that joined its wide horizons together and smothered the skies with smoke he was experiencing what one or another drowsing geographically ignorant alien experiences every day in the year when he turns a dull and indifferent eye out of the car window and it falls upon a certain station sign which reads stratford on avon mrs sellers went gossiping comfortably along oh they like to hear him talk especially if their load is getting rather heavy on one shoulder and they want to shift it he's all air you know breeze you may say and he freshens them up it's a trip to the country they say many a time he's made general grant laugh and that's a tidy job i can tell you and as for sheridan his eye lights up, and he listens to Mulberry Sellers the same as if he was artillery. You see, th the charm about Mulberry is he is so Catholic and unprejudiced that he fits in anywhere and everywhere. It makes him powerful good company and as popular as scandal. You go to the White House when the President's holding a general reception, sometime when Mulberry's there. Why, dear me, you can't tell which of them it is that's holding that reception." well he certainly is a remarkable man and he always was is he religious clear to his marrow does more thinking and reading on that subject than any other except russia and siberia thrashes around over the whole field too nothing bigoted about him what is his religion he she stopped and was lost for a moment or two in thinking then she said with simplicity i think he was a Mohammedan or something last week. Washington started downtown now to bring his trunk, for the hospitable Sellerses would listen to no excuses. Their house must be his home during the session. The colonel returned presently and resumed work upon his plaything. It was finished when Washington got back. "'There it is,' said the colonel. "'All finished.' "'What is it for, colonel?' "'Oh, it's just a trifle. Toy to amuse the children.' Washington examined it. it. Seems to be a puzzle. Yes, that's what it is. I call it pigs in the clover. Put them in. See if you can put them in the pen. After many failures, Washington succeeded, and was pleased as a child. It's wonderfully ingenious, Colonel. It's ever so clever and interesting. Why, I could play with it all day. What are you going to do with it? Oh, nothing. Patent it and throw it aside. Don't you do anything of the kind. There's money in that thing. A compassionate look traveled over the colonel's countenance, and he said, Money? <laughs> yes, pin money. A couple of hundred thousand, perhaps, not more. Washington's eyes blazed. A couple of hundred thousand dollars. Do you call that pin money? The colonel rose and tiptoed his way across the room, closed a door that was slightly ajar, tiptoed his way to his seat again, and said under his breath you can keep a secret washington nodded his affirmative he was too awed to speak you have heard of materialization 
materialization of departed spirits washington had heard of it and probably didn't believe in it and quite right too the thing is practiced by ignorant charlatans is unworthy of attention or respect where there's a dim light and a dark cabinet and a parcel of sentimental gulls gathered together with their faith and their shudders and their tears all ready and one and the same fatty degeneration of protoplasm and humbug comes out and materializes himself into anybody you want grandmother grandchild brother-in-law witch of endor john milton siamese twins peter the great and all such frantic nonsense no that is all foolish and pitiful but when a man that is competent brings the vast powers of science to bear it's a different matter a totally different matter you see the spectre that answers that call has come to stay do you note the commercial value of that detail well i the the truth is that i don't quite know that i do do you mean that such being permanent not transitory would give more general satisfaction and so enhance the price of tickets to the show show folly listen to me and get a good grip on your breath for you are going to need it within three days i shall have completed my method and then let the world stand aghast for it shall see marvels washington within three days ten at the outside you shall see me call the dead of any century and they will arise and walk walk they shall walk forever and never die again walk with all the muscle and spring of their pristine vigor colonel indeed it does take one's breath away now do you see the money that's in it i'm well i'm not really sure that i do great scott look here i shall have a monopoly they'll all belong to me won't they two thousand policemen in the city of new york wages four dollars a day i'll replace them with dead ones at half the money oh prodigious i never thought of that four thousand dollars a day now i do begin to see but will dead policemen answer haven't they up to this time well if you put it that way put it any way you want to modify it to suit yourself and my lads shall still be superior they won't eat they won't drink don't need those things they won't wink for cash at gambling dens and unlicensed rum holes they won't spark the scullery maids and moreover the bands of toughs that ambuscade them on lonely beats and cowardly shoot and knife them will only damage the uniforms and not live long enough to get more than a momentary satisfaction out of that why colonel if you can furnish policemen then of course certainly i can furnish any line of goods that was wanted take the army for instance now twenty-five thousand men expense twenty-two millions a year i will dig up the romans i will resurrect the greeks i will furnish the government for ten millions a year ten thousand veterans drawn from the victorious legions of all the ages soldiers that will chase indians year in and year out on materialized horses and cost never a cent for rations or repairs the armies of europe cost two billions a year now i will replace them all for a billion i will dig up the trained statesmen of all ages and all climes and furnish this country with a congress that knows enough to come in out of the rain a thing that's never happened yet since the declaration of independence 
and never will happen till these practically dead people are replaced with the genuine article i will restock the thrones of europe with the best brains and the best morals that all the royal sepulchres of all the centuries can furnish which isn't promising very much and i'll divide the wages and the civil list fair and square merely taking my half and colonel if the half of this is true there's millions in it millions billions in it billions that's what you mean why look here the thing is so close at hand so imminent so absolutely immediate that if a man were to come to me now and say colonel i am a little short and if you could lend me a couple of billion dollars for come in this in answer to a knock an energetic-looking man bustled in with a big pocket-book in his hand took a paper from it and presented it with a curt remark seventeenth and last call you want to out with that three dollars and forty cents this time without fail colonel mulberry sellers the colonel began to slap this pocket and that one and feel here and there and everywhere muttering what have i done with that wallet let me see him um, not here not there oh i must have left it in the kitchen i'll just run and no you won't you'll stay right where you are and you're going to disgorge too this time washington innocently offered to go and look when he was gone the colonel said the fact is i've got to throw myself on your indulgence just this once more suggs you see the remittances i was expecting hang the remittances it's too stale it won't answer come the colonel glanced about him in despair then his face lighted he ran to the wall and began to dust off a peculiarly atrocious chromo with his handkerchief then he brought it reverently offered it to the collector averted his face and said take it uh, but don't let me see it go it's the sole remaining rembrandt that rembrandt be damned it's a chromo oh don't speak of it so i beg you it's the only really great original the only supreme example of that mighty school of art which art it's the sickest looking thing i the colonel was already bringing another horror and tenderly dusting it take this one too the gem of my collection the only genuine fra angelica illuminated that... liver pad that's what it is give it here good day people will think i've robbed a nigger barber shop as he slammed the door behind him the colonel shouted with an anguished accent do please cover them up don't let the damp get at them the delicate tints in the angelico but the man was gone washington reappeared and said he had looked everywhere and so had mrs sellers and the servants but in vain and went on to say he wished he could get his eye on a certain man about this time no need to hunt up that pocket-book then the colonel's interest was awake at once what man one-armed pete they call him out there out in the cherokee country i mean robbed the bank in tahlequah do they have banks in tahlequah yes a bank anyway he was suspected of robbing it whoever did it got away with more than twenty thousand dollars they offered a reward of five thousand i believe i saw that very man on my way east no is that so well, i certainly saw a man on the train the first day i struck the railroad that answered the description pretty exactly at least as to clothes and a lacking arm why didn't you get him arrested and claim the reward i couldn't i had to get a requisition of course but i meant to stay by him till i got my chance well well he left the train during the night sometime oh hang it that's too bad not so very bad either why because he came down to baltimore in the very train i was in though i didn't know it in time 
as we moved out of the station i saw him going toward the iron gate with a satchel in his hand good we'll catch him let's lay a plan send description to the baltimore police why what are you talking about no do you want them to get the reward what shall we do then the colonel reflected i'll tell you put a personal in the baltimore sun word it like this a drop me a line pete hold on which arm has he lost the right good now then a drop me a line pete even if you have to write with your left hand address x y z general post office washington from you know who there that'll fetch him but he won't know who will he no but he'll want to know won't he why certainly i didn't think of that what made you think of it knowledge of human curiosity strong trait very strong trait now i'll go to my room and write it out and enclose a dollar and tell them to print it to the worth of that end of chapter three